0: We're underway, and we're talking about material recovery centers, the gyre ship trawler idea, and plasma recycling. And uh, these are all things that you can, well, yeah, the recovery ship, they got that too. Okay, so all these are all things, there are YouTube videos that impinge on them, And I want to kind of draw the big picture of how this all would get done and make it kind of, you know, interesting and pretty easy to listen to. And, you know, you can do your dishes while you do this or sit outside and pet the cat or something like that. And and you don't have to have a big strain. And I'm I'm not going to put any equations in or, well, well, that's hard to promise to make, but I'm going to try to stay away from I'm gonna just like give you sort of a really quick hints on the chemistry and physics with that, without going into any detail that you didn't get like in grade school science. And this is all stuff that you pretty well know. And I'm just gonna kind of uh, make sure that you just remember it just good enough to, to see how it all fits together. Okay, the first thing is material recovery center now, you've probably noticed that, uh, like in California, they've had these great big trucks that cruise around the neighborhood, and the guy he jumps out a million times and eventually gets run over, of course. He jumps out and just runs up and grabs your recyclable stuff off the curb and dumps it into these bins, <clears throat> and it's hauled off to traditional recycling, which means most of it gets thrown away. So well, that's not what we want to do. What we want to do is not to have all these separate containers and make new plastics to have things that you roll around and stuff that's all out in the yard and then dog gets into it and tips it over and aluminum cans get blown up and down the street by the wind. No, no. No to all that. Material Recycling Center is the idea. Just put the stuff in your garbage bin Put it in the truck, squish it, haul it off. And then it goes to the material recycling center, not the dump. Here's the dump dumps are actually not a completely terrible thing because you can salvage out of a dump. Uh, and so and an awful lot of stuff was picked up at dumps that nowadays just gets pushed in the landfill because they have to bury it every every night in order to comply with federal regulations because they don't want the seagulls or the bears or something like that, the rats of course, to be eating the garbage because that would be almost like composting it because it gets turned into bear crap or seagull crap. So we can't have any of that. And therefore, what are we going to do with this stuff? Well, an MRC and look on the videos uh, on YouTube or um, Odyssey or whatever, whole bunch of them, and you can look at it from like the animated scientific uh, point of view, or you can look at like the, let's take a, t- a tour of this amazing facility and walking around on the catwalks with some guy in a hard hat approached, and uh, I don't know, I watched both, I I think they're all pretty cool. But you can watch whatever ones you want, and I'm not going to try to duplicate any of that work. Uh, they have a nifty thing that p- throws a magnetic impulse out at an aluminum can, which makes it jump because of induced magnetic... Uh, I promised you I wouldn't talk about stuff like that. This pulse, anyway, just... If for it, it's the It's very it's super temporary. No, I'm not going to even... Uh, no, forget it. I'm not going to try to explain it. But it'll make it jump down the, the chute. So the MRC is basically like a belt feeding this garbage. And you can have a person there or a person working remotely with like a robot arm could do it. And you could do something like, okay, every time a green bottle comes by, you take your robot arm and you throw it down that chute. And this could be like a guy... In another state who's like uh, bedridden, but he's got one hand that he can operate the robot arm thing with, well that's good enough. And so he could do that, or he could do a thousand different jobs. You'd have to to think in terms of, we're going to find a way to make a job for this guy like this to be able to do, and then they they could sort these things and stuff. In my vision of it, of course, we have somebody right at the head of the line <clears throat> grabbing out stuff like a toaster that, heck, it might work. And these things then would go to, like, uh, I don't know, they might be, might be contractors or, or uh, something like that, go to somebody who wants to have a little used appliance place and try and fix these toasters and sell them for a couple dollars or whatever with, you know, it just opens it up. Oh, I see why it's sticking. And to that, bap, two, two screws back in again. It works. See? Two bucks for this one. Three bucks for that one. And, uh, you know, we've got like ones that are free for if you don't have any money or homeless and stuff like that. Well, we'll move into a place. And then they'll say, well, what, yeah, we'll give you one of these old toasters. And we'll give you this. And we'll give you that. And we'll give you the other thing. And we don't get all upset because they're gonna lose it all and have it stolen and, and broken and everything because we we'll just give them another one. So anyway, then the the belt goes and it and they cycle off everything they can. So like computers, for instance, well, they, you wouldn't put them in the regular trash. You would pull them apart and then you would have like special systems for recycling to get out the gold and get out the toxic metals and to get the lead from the solder and, and all this stuff. Uh, believe me, no matter how complicated and weird it seems to possibly be able to do something like that, process engineers and uh, chemical engineers can figure out the most incredible ways of taking this thing and acidify that, put it on some under pressure, and fiddle and diddle. and do this other kind of stuff, and the next thing you know, they've got a purified this, and purified that, and a clean version of this other thing, and they've got all the stuff is saved. And it's all in nice little jars for you. And they can do that. It's, it's, it's no sweat. Um, they can electroplate metals out, and just they get a big hunk of electroplated stuff. And believe me, these guys are trickier than you could imagine. So... That's gonna happen with a lot of stuff that's going in now what what's going in that can't that can't happen with well plastics <clears throat> they can sort out some cardboard and paper and you can take brush and you know, there's no reason we can't make paper out of brush so there's a use for the brush uh but as it goes on and on eventually it it's gonna get to where the stuff is just more and more mixed together and contaminated and polluted and crowded and disgusting. And now you get the stuff that normally would go to the landfill. But instead of a landfill we're gonna put it in the, the plasma recycler. Now plasma is what they call the fourth state of matter and we know I'm not gonna start it on something that's really hard, but you remember atoms, right? Okay well, so you got a molecule which is some atoms stuck together, like, you know, uh, H2O is a molecule. Hydrogen 2, oxygen 1 is, okay, pretty easy. I'm not going to make it any more complicated than this. Okay, so now the the plastics are hydrocarbons, which is like a a string of carbons with hydrogens on the sides and a a few other little things in there, but mostly it's uh, just hydrogens we that's a big long molecule but what you can do is you heat it up to you know like several thousand degrees and the it actually gets so hot not only do the molecules come apart but even the atoms themselves come apart and so the electrons go off in a big swarm of electrons <sighs> No, but they don't have stingers though, that's a good thing about electrons. And the the electrons go off in a big cloud and you're left with these atomic nuclei, which are, remember, the protons and neutrons that are in the middle of the atom. And the number of protons tells you what the element is. So if something is carbon, well then it's better, it should have the right number of protons to be carbon. Now, these things, once they've been separated, okay, for instance, a, a toxic chemical is not toxic anymore. Forever plastic is history. It's not gonna, be because it, it's, it's all down to literally below the level even of atoms. So all the compounds have been destroyed. All the plastic is gone and then as the stuff cools down you have a gas component which is hydrogen and carbon monoxide so they call that syngas you can burn it you can make plastics out of it so then that's up to you i would say i would say use it for plastics make all new plastics out of syngas and then not have any more extraction for to make plastics out of No excuse for using uh, fossil fuels for that. The other thing is the slag. And as the slag is, well, probably an awful lot of it will be silicon dioxide, which is just glass. Silica. Um, If you remember having a rock tumbler and stuff, the silica group, that's the quartz group. So stuff like quartz and quartzite, and well, there's uh, amethyst is a, is a type of quartz, and it's a whole lot of these things. The most plentiful element on the Earth's crust. Okay, so that that uh, uh, slag is certainly going to have some of that in it. Glass. Now my idea, uh, and this comes out of uh, an old gold mining technique, which I'm not recommending where they took uh, <coughs> rocks and they melted them, and then they poured them into an inverted cone mold and slowly cooled it. And what happened then is the gold being heavier than everything else, while all the stuff was liquid and it might have been like agitated and vibrated or something, the, the gold went to the very tip of the inverted cone. Then you let the inverted cone cool down, and then uh, you snap that gold off the end. Well, I think we can figure that all the metals are going to be down there. The heavy metals are going to be down there. So that's going to be that same point, little tippy end, is going to be where the gold is and the, uh, the lead and the cadmium and the barium and all that toxic heavy metals, and then they probably, maybe there will be like layers of some other, I guess there's an iron layer, and then up on top of the silica there's going to be some, like I think aluminum is going to be lighter than silica, so it will should be on the top. So uh, we cool this whole thing down and then we break it in the appropriate places. And we turn it over to our process engineers who figure out that you can take this thing and soak it in you know, hydrochloric acid or something like that. And then you can electroplate out by just using the appropriate voltage, you can cause it to electroplate the cadmium out and you get a chunk of cadmium, take that out. And you change the voltage and you've now you're gonna get a bar of some other metal. And some kind of business like that. And, we're, and okay, we're done with that. So they're going to probably be able to actually clean out these uh, micro. Well, there's only a little bit of cadmium and barium in your household garbage, right? I mean, but there's some. You're going to be able to actually get a lot of that out and keep it out of the landfill and reuse it. It's perfectly usable metal, or if you don't know what to do with it, cast it in ingots and put it down in some, like, old uh, coal mine and go in there and fill a stope up with a stack of ingots. And if anybody ever wants it, they know where to go down there. and Make sure the shoring is still solid and pick the stuff up again. But anyway, whatever you do with it, I don't care what you do with it, the point is you can get it out. And then you get this silica, which is just, like, basically glass with some gunk in it. So it'd be probably like some gray glass. And I think those things you could use uh, someplace like in Louisiana where the they they cut this, the Corps of Engineers cut a the Mississippi Gulf access which is this big channel out of the Mississippi and it caused square miles of marsh to be washed away. Oops. You could go where out the outer edge of where that marsh used to be and put a barrier of these cones of glass. I'm thinking like maybe they'd weigh a couple tons apiece. So you'd go out there with a barge and just roll them in and stack them up. And what that would do is when a hurricane came through, it would give the waves something to trip over um, and cause uh, more cause less erosion and destruction and cause the, it would slow the hurricane down too. It's just friction, but you make a lot of bubbles and something has to be, that energy is getting used. So you, you make these waves break sooner than they would have. And so the marshland recovers and the hurricanes don't come ashore as bad. And guess what? With global warming, we're gonna need to do anything we can to minimize the damage that hurricanes are going to do because they're going to do a tremendous amount, much more than they ever have in history. So these things might be pretty useful. And you could build large, like mile wide artificial reefs out there, um, which you could go out in a small boat and, and, I mean, those things would just be packed with fish because the, the, and the rain, main thing that the Gulf of Mexico needs in order to raise fishes, and this is ah, true of a, water almost anywhere, uh, is reef. Because if you have reef, then your filter feeders, like uh, the uh, oysters, uh, form a, an oyster layer, which they would all over these. You wouldn't even know what these glass cones were. They'd be so covered with oysters and stuff. And then you get seaweed, and then you get like little worms and crabs and various things that are living in there. And then you get the fishes eating them and then you get the fishes have their little uh, holes that they hide in and um, and you, you get a whole reef ecology which turns out to be uh, the most concentrated of fish anywhere. But of course you can't trawl a reef. I mean you can trawl over a reef but the kind of reef I'm talking about you would just have to go up and with your little outboard boat and, and nose into there and cast out with your line and and so it would be wonderful sport fishing and it would and there'd be no end to it because I mean could you imagine a mile of fish? You know, and lots of it you would lots of that area you couldn't even get into if it was filled up like to high tide mark, well you see you, you well, how would you even go there? Uh, but the fishes could go there, and then you could go around the edges of it and and fish so that would all be pretty nice pretty nice now we got all this plastic and uh, other flotsam like wood um, in the ocean, and it's collecting in those gyres and there I don't know what state they're up to now I think pretty pretty soon it's going to be Texas that the biggest gyre has the size of is enormous size of these masses of floating junk which is both horrible and kind of fortunate because it means that you can get an awful lot of the junk out of the ocean by just being in this one place so now i'm going to ask you to watch a, a movie about catcher processors and see the nets and the giant workrooms that they have and these are ships that pull nets and get tons and tons and tons and tons and tons of tons and more fish than that. You can't imagine how big these things are and how much they catch. And, uh, and then they, they pack them all up and uh, they pack a, it's ready to go to retail. It's all in the boxes and everything, all done on the ship. So naturally they're good for fishing out fisheries, but here's what you could do with one of them. Power the thing on syngas, do uh, plasma recycling on board, of course, to make your syngas out of the uh, uh, stuff that comes up in the gyre, which is, there's going to be like wood and uh, uh, barnacles and all kinds of junk in there, but it doesn't matter because the, the plasma can go through everything. So what you'll get is you'll get the syngas that powers the ship and powers the plasma operation. And you might even have syngas left over that you could, like, uh, transfer over to other ships that they could pull up alongside of you and throw a big, giant, high-pressure hose across and, and pump over thousands and thousands of tons of this stuff, like LNG tankers or something. Could do that. And then um, the gyre ship uh, would have some kind of a system of netting in which it's no problem uh, taking stuff off the surface, that's one of the easiest things there is to do. So some kind of a a net system or things that are like a net somehow that you would catch this gyre stuff with and feed it in and then it gets lifted up and shredded and blah, 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 blah. And after you finish, possibly you've got like, you've got those big uh, uh, glass um, cones. And I don't know what the marine biologist would say. My guess is that you could take those cones and snap off the the tip for the metals, and snap off the top for the like aluminum, or pour off the aluminum, or I don't know what how. You, I'll leave that up to people that know how to do that kind of stuff. But you would separate the metals and the 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 heavy metals and the light metals, both out and get these giant uh, hunks of glass uh, and then you cool them down so they won't crack or anything. And probably in a lot of parts of the ocean, you could just put them over the side because all you're doing is building an artificial reef down there. And that, that would be actually a place where the fishes would like it, so probably the biggest objectors to uh, to having that stuff dumped on the bottom would be uh, a, a few environmentalists that didn't understand what was going on, and um, probably mostly people that wanted to run drag boats, which are the, the trawlers, bottom trawlers, which uh, slide the They roll the net across the bottom. And um, you can imagine what a bottom trawler does by imagining like say you've got a prairie and somebody wants to catch the bison. So they come in with like some giant airship, you know, some kind of anti-gravity ship or something and they drag nets that are miles long and made to just catch everything across the prairie and uproot the trees and smash everything all to heck and and panic the bison and catch a whole bunch of them in fact too many so that there's not even a sustainable population that often happens with bottom dragging and just leave this wreckage behind them that's essentially what a drag boat does to the bottom and that's why um, now that we have like a lot of people diving on these scenes, and and uh, they have these um, uh, like submersible things that are like drones under the sea, they're remote, remotely controlled uh, submarine kind of things, and they can go down to extraordinary depths where you couldn't even go and just take pictures of the bottom, no problem, and nobody's going to get the bins because there's nobody in them. And you can drive them around, take the pictures, and you can see all the stuff that's just shredded. And so, and so the marine biologists have pictures of that and the damage it's done. Uh, so maybe we're better off with reefs. And then you have midwater trawlers, which is a little cleaner trick, and that's a a net that's capable of being. They can get wider and and taller and longer and shorter and they can have cameras on the net and they can have side sanding sonar on the net and they can do all this stuff. And they chase down uh, pelagic fishes, they're they're called the ones that swim around all over the place and not on the bottom. And they catch too many fish too, like they've, they found out that there's like schools of anchovy that have been around for millions of years and so it doesn't hurt to, to take some anchovy, but if you reduce the size of that school enough that it doesn't survive, then even though there were a lot of fishes, there's not enough of them to put the school back together again, uh, and so it fails. And So we've learned oops, the hard way that, again, there's another example of overfishing. We, there's a bunch of things, now. I don't know, I'm, I'm hearing that uh, a lot of sharks are endangered now. It's very hard for me to understand how that can be because I'm used to the idea of like, every place you go, wherever there's sand bottom, you see millions upon millions of these gray sand sharks that usually don't get over about three, four feet long. And the typical ones about two feet. And there's just bazillions of those things. And stingrays, oh my God. I mean, we used to think that the that you could walk on stingrays across the bottom of Tomales Bay, California. And they're, they're horrendous for the oyster aquaculture people. They just, well, they get in, they just rip those oysters up. And uh, there's like just nothing to eat. But actually, but you can eat them. They don't taste that great. But it's a bland fish and you would take it, I guess, and like, you know, get the blood out of it and then take it and do some kind of a flavoring trick with it and and end up making it into something that would be good and ho- hopefully still nutritious and all. And I don't know what the... That used to be... That's where I used to think uh, we were going to get um, our new, uh, you know, stuff out of the ocean. That was where we were going to have to turn toward these underutilized species. So anyway, this system, I, uh, we're talking about uh, the the possibility of uh, pretty much making landfills obsolete. And... Um, Material recovery centers are pretty lined up for being, for separating out um, reusable stuff like the toasters and bicycles and all that. Oh, by the way, anybody that thinks so, that there should we well, we should have more bicycles in the city. Bicycles to bicycles, that's the solution to everything. Tell you what, you go and you look at a YouTube video and you will see somebody that has bicycles for sale, and that's China. And they, I don't mean they have one or two they want to get rid of. I mean they have square miles of bicycles parked. One up against the other, against the other, against the other. Square miles of them. Bicycles. Thousands of tons of bicycles. Because they just found that they weren't that practical. So um, maybe we do want the electric cars. I know there's a whole lot of people that are they're really against the electric cars. Oh, blah, 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 blah. lithium mining is dirty too. Well, everything's dirty if a capitalist does it. They, they dump their garbage right in this wherever. They pour their just, just filthy crud in the river. Yes, they do that. They externalize all their costs. That's like what capitalism is about. It doesn't mean that, it, that the world has to be run that way. So, yeah, I'm probably not talking about a capitalist future because I don't think there is a capitalist future. I, I don't think it's going to take capitalism more than another mm, something like 10 years uh, to wreck the climate. And then if we stop all of the fossil fuel drilling and, and, uh, and extracting and stop even using any fossil fuels at all, Uh, I think there's gonna be an inertia thing where the climate is gonna get worse for a while after we stop. And then it's gonna settle on a point worse than the very worst that we've ever seen, much worse than we see now. Uh, And that's where it'll stop. And it's not gonna go back because that CO2 is not coming out of the atmosphere, not for millions of years. And about the only... uh, You can plasma recycle and obtain that stuff and make some stuff that's like crude oil and pour it down the old oil wells. It's sort of like a negative oil producing thing. It's going to cost a lot more than than, uh, drilling the oil in the first place did. So, uh, I don't know. That's a... It's like, you know, there, you, you want to go and you want to get a barrel of oil that's worth, you know, X number of dollars today. And then, uh, you know, 20 years from now, you might be willing, you might have to be willing to pay 20 times that to get rid of the waste from that barrel of oil. And it might just be not, uh, it might just not be Possible, it may just not be feasible. So we would we definitely want to uh, get into this uh, material recovery because every minute that we spend dumping this stuff in the landfills is X number of more plastics going into the landfill and the ocean and all that, and uh, which could have been used for something. If you want to have a transition, I would have a hard transition. I mean, where we would just basically put fossil fuels out of business just almost immediately and just, you know, heavy on conservation and, and, uh, you know, no more fossil, anything that burns fossil fuels, you can't build any new ones. And um, just switch over to electric as absolutely quick as possible even in cases where you're using fossil fuels to make the electric, because, like, say, I'm no longer willing to put a natural gas heater in my house, which I never could afford to do, but even if I could afford to do it, I would no longer want to put one in here. I'd want to put a heat pump, because the natural gas furnace becomes completely obsolete once they say we're going to stop burning natural gas, whereas the heat pump is fine. I can run the heat pump off of a windmill. And, uh... I I guess I could have... I don't see why I couldn't have a wind turbine in the backyard here. Something in the... I don't know, maybe 10 or 20-kilowatt range. And... uh, I might still need to have some, uh, firewood for heat. Like, in this last cold snap, I mean, I was burning a couple of garbage cans full just in a night. And a couple, three more in the day, you know, like, five gallon, five garbage cans full of stuff in 24 hours. Although, I know we throw away an awful lot of junk wood in a year, in a year, don't we? I mean, I've seen people going out to the dumps with you know, gigantic loads of of, uh, wood that's all just being thrown away, and all that carbon is going right back into the cycle, so So there is that. And, uh, well, this has gone on long enough, so here we stop.